The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 39 of Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. And I'm Martin. And I'm Kevin. This is the show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are raw and raw tomatoes and we reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 2005's House of Wax, directed by Joe May Colette Serra, starring Alicia Cuthbert, Chad Michael Murray, Brian Van Holt, Paris Hilton, Jared Padalecki, John Abrams, and Robert Richard. House of Wax is a 2005 horror film. It shares the name of the 1953 horror film, which was a remake of the 1933 film Mystery of the Wax Museum. This movie currently holds a 25% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? A group of friends on their way to a college football game falls prey to a pair of murderous brothers in an abandoned small town. They discover that the brothers have expanded upon the area's main attraction, the House of Wax, and created an entire town filled with the wax-coated corpses of unlucky visitors. Now, the group must find a way out before they, too, become permanent exhibits in the House of Wax. Okay, House of Wax. What is your history with this? I saw the YouTube clip of Paris Hilton <laughs> getting piked in the head. I saw the YTMND clip of Paris Hilton oh, getting killed over you know and over yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. It was the YTMND clip. I've never seen this movie before. The only thing I knew about it was that Paris Hilton was in it. Okay, we all were House of Wax virgins to this one. Okay, let's do what we always do at the top of the show and discuss the actors one by one, and we'll see how you thought they did. First up, Alicia Cuthbert. I thought that she did fine in this movie. Her acting was believable. I mean, it wasn't, you know, a phenomenal or awe-inspiring performance, but for what the movie was, I thought that it was pretty capable. Yeah, I thought she did actually a pretty good job. Way better than I was expecting out of this movie. I've only ever seen her in one other thing before, which is The Girl Next Door, and she didn't blow me away in that movie, but this is pretty good. Yeah, I agree. I actually, I liked her in this. She did a good job. For what this movie was, for what she was needed for, she executed it above expectations for me. Okay, next up, Chad Michael Murray. Murray. He was making my heart throb. This yeah, whole movie. Team Dream. <laughs> you know, I think he was pretty good because he was supposed to be a complete dick. I mean, that was his character, and I hated him pretty much the whole movie. I hated him until he came in and saved the day, <laughs> and then he stole my heart. Yeah, he was okay. I mean, I, this is the first thing I've ever seen with this guy. I never watched One Tree Hill or whatever. Yeah, but, you, Joel. Oh, yeah. Come on. <laughs> Apparently, there's a little bit of a backstory here. We just found out some amazing, juicy gossip here. Very juicy. Yeah. Straight from PerezHilton.com. Kevin, why don't you elaborate on this? <laughs> so apparently, uh, Chad Michael Murray cheated on his wife with Paris Hilton during the filming of this, and it broke up his marriage at the time. And he was married to his One Tree Hill co-star, Sophia Bush. Wait, Kevin, are you saying that Paris Hilton engaged in sexual activity with a married man? That's the rumor. All right, next up, Paris Hilton. She had a, like a very small role in this movie, and you know, from the trailers and from the previous views she was played up quite a bit and i mean like for obvious reasons she would probably get people in the seats she does have uh notoriety she is recognizable but uh they kept her to a minimum they had like one striptease scene with her but she had two maybe three lines in this entire movie and uh it, it worked in the movie's favor resident evil level acting terrible she was actually in it longer than i thought i assumed that she'd be in it for a few minutes in 
and she'd be like the first one killed off. Um, but that wasn't the case. She was in it for a while and uh, she just has this blank, soulless look on her face the entire film. It's pretty obvious why she hasn't been in any theater released movies, I don't think, since this. It was interesting what they did, though. They they did a lot of like, I guess, Paris Hilton sex tape parody shots in they this did. movie where they had her in like, you know, night vision. They had her filleting somebody while they were driving yeah. you know, down the road, being videotaped by somebody else's camcorder. So, you know, I kind of like the self-parody. It was She's doing a little self-aware winking to the camera, like, hee hee, check it out. Do you think she was self-aware? Or was that just the director? It was very meta. It was she, very meta. Paris Hilton is not self-aware and she's not self-actualized. You know, you know, She's nowhere on the Maslow hierarchy, okay? <laughs> Cut it out. <laughs> I'm going to say this about Paris Hilton. I Paris Hilton's very Adlerian. I, I think she's a lot smarter than people give her credit for. Like, she's a good uh, marketer of herself. How about that? Sure. 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 <laughs> sure. If you grudgingly give her that. Sure. Her acting style is, is terrible. She should stick to being like a uh, personality, I guess. That's what she is, right? She's Don't don't be an actress. Okay. Next up, Jared Padalecki. Now, this guy, he rounds out the CW lineup <laughs> of this movie. We got Chad Michael Murray, who's One Tree Hill guy. Right. And this Jared guy, he was on Gilmore Girls, and then eventually he went on to do Supernatural. Right. Now, what'd you guys think of him? I could see what Rory Gilmore saw in him. Yeah. <laughs> he's really dreamy. He, he, was, he was dreamy. I've never seen this guy in anything before. He really wasn't in it all that much. I, I wasn't struck one way or the other, to be honest. I thought he was going to be the hero. So I'm, I'm a secret Gilmore Girls fan, so I was happy to see this guy. Well, you've seen every episode. I have, actually. Okay, and finally, the killer, Brian Van Holt. Now, what I want to say about this guy is, he looks like he could be Dennis Quaid's kid. <laughs> He looks just like him. Like he doesn't mean he, Quaid. He doesn't have the he doesn't have the chops to be Dennis Quaid. He's a little too expressive yeah, to be Dennis yeah, he Quaid. Doesn't, he doesn't he doesn't have the acting chops of Dennis Quaid. He doesn't know when to pull the punches. He's like, ah, I'm acting a little too much in this scene. Better better pull it back a little bit. I well, definitely don't see the likeness there. All right, all right. We're, we'll we'll I'll show you a picture of him again, and then you can okay. you can judge. The hair color's off. If he's gonna be Quaid's progeny, it's got to be a beautiful brown, lustrous color. <laughs> Baby Quaid Jr. You know, it's perfect. <laughs> right, what do you think? of this guy. He's a real sleazeball in this. He played that pretty well. Yeah, he did. He came off as, as like a snake oil salesman. Kind of like a greasy used car salesman. Yeah, I think he played a, a couple different characters almost in this movie. And I think he did a pretty good job playing both of them. He's, he's really believable. Alright, that, that's pretty much it. The, those are the, the guys worth talking about. Alright, so let me give you the brief history of House of Wax. Before Paris Hilton was cast as Paige Edwards, Jennifer Connelly and Kate Winslet were originally considered for the role. The rest of the cast was built around her. Her, that's hot, catchphrase <laughs> is spoken by several characters for this reason. On June 26, 2004, a soundstage being used for the film burned to the ground during a test of special effects equipment. The fire, started by a candle, destroyed a studio at Warner Brothers Movie World on Australia's Gold Coast. One crew member was treated for burns to his arm, but no one else was injured. The smoke reached a nearby highway, which was not shut down. The film received negative reviews from critics, with Ron Tomatoes giving it a 25% rating. It was also nominated for three Razzie Awards, including Worst Picture and Worst Remake or Sequel, with Paris Hilton winning Worst Supporting Actress. Critics and audiences have agreed that Hilton's character's death was the best part of the film. A limited-run promotional t-shirt advertising the movie on the front said, See Paris Die, was apparently in very high demand. 
Okay, so let's dive into this thing. House of Wax. So this movie starts off with a flashback. This movie starts off in 1973. They always go back to the 70s, too. It's always it's always early 70s. And all right, so why don't you describe what happens here? Essentially, they, uh, they take you back to a kitchen where there is a child eating what looks like Cheerios and another child being brought in from a different room, screaming, kicking, and being otherwise uncooperative, to say the least. Yeah, he's being, he's being uncouth. He's being very rude. So he's brought in kicking and screaming, and he's literally papoosed and strapped down to the equivalent of like an insane asylum high chair where they, I guess they feed him. I don't know what they're doing with him, but for some reason he's able to get a hold of his mother's hand and he scratches it. During this whole thing, we don't see anybody's faces during this flashback scene. So when it comes to the future, the very first human face that we see in this movie (laughs) is Paris Hilton. (laughs) Is that that insinuating that Paris Hilton was like a very unruly child? That maybe the killer's Paris Hilton? I think they're assuming that she's made of wax because like she's emotionless (laughs) the whole time. I thought that they were insinuating that she was an out-of-control baby. (laughs) She's a man-child? Female man-child? Yeah, she's a female Adam Sandler. (laughs) They're going to like a football game or something. And And none of them have tickets. And I I don't get that at all. all Why even bother to make this trip if none of you have tickets? And they all have like phenomenal camping gear. So this trip, I guess, is... They clearly can afford tickets. Yeah, they clearly can. But apparently there's a quote-unquote sea of scalpers or thousands of scalpers. I forget what they say, but they're going to scalp tickets at this football game, which is apparently the biggest football game of the year. And I don't know where they're heading from in Florida, but it should not take them a two days drive to get wherever they're going. Okay, so let's let's run down this motley crew that we have here. We have the virgin girl and her boyfriend, which is Alicia Cuthbert and uh, Jared Padalecki. We have uh, her fraternal twin and the the rough and tumble, the bad egg yes. character. He's a tough guy. Yeah, yeah, he's the bad. It's Chad boy. Michael Murray. He's the bad boy, but he's protective of his sister. He's got a heart of gold. <laughs> There's his his buddy who's like a drunken fool and then there's Paris Hilton and her boyfriend so that's the the crew we got running here they tried to add this like weird side story where Paris Hilton was pregnant yeah Paris Hilton and her boyfriend those two characters are completely useless unnecessary to the story all they were really used for was pigs to the slaughter yeah essentially they were basically used to allow for more murder extra scenes where people can get chased around and stabbed to death let's not be naive here like she is in this movie just to sell tickets. That's it. They didn't get her into this thing because they thought she was a great actress. They just yeah. they, they wanted to capitalize on the Hilton craze of 2005, I guess. That was all the rage. Was I was too busy with Brangelina. <laughs> During that time period. I feel like I missed out. So they get detoured on this road and they make their way to an empty field where they decide to camp out for the night. And they have some kind of drunken bacchanal party. Yeah. Orgy. Yeah, yeah. An yeah. orgy. And it's being videotaped. Everybody's getting drunk. They're all making out. You know, they're being teenage. They're having fun. They're breaking all the rules. Then the wind blows in a rancid stench. <laughs> Hits the crowd. They're all like, oh, God, what what is that? By the way, just a little insight into my personality. Quite possibly the funniest thing in the world to me (laughs) is people's reactions to bad smells. (laughs) I find that so amusing. It's like, oh, what is that? (laughs) 
They're sitting there camping and partying. The villain shows up. They go to sleep. Oh, the villain shows up in a pickup truck. He doesn't actually do anything. He just kind of parks it at the edge of the tree line in a very creepy way. But, I mean, I wasn't scared. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> Chad Michael Murray stands up completely unfazed by this, which I, 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 really, I really enjoy his character. Because he is not scared of anything. He has no fear. And it's very enjoyable to see that in a horror movie. He takes his beer bottle and wings it 100 yards across the field and belts the headlight and knocks it out. As far as I'm concerned, it, it was like he threw a boomerang. Like, he was on the other <laughs> side of the field. It curved like an arc perfectly in the air. It just bashed, it bashed his truck's headlight, like, perfectly. He was held back by the rest of the crew. And they're like, stop it. Like, he was going to go over there and just, like, kill the person in the truck. <laughs> <laughs> they were protecting the murderer. Yeah, they were. They, like, something happens in the middle of the night. I don't even remember. Some goofy thing happens. Some goofy thing. The murderer comes and like videotapes them and cuts the serpentine belt to one of their cars so they can't escape. Yeah, it was pretty goofy. Pretty comedic. <laughs> oh, actually, you know what didn't make sense to me about that? If he was actually trying to capture all of them, why didn't he cut the serpentine belt on both of their cars? Good point. They could have just both got away in one of the trucks. Split them up? No, because they still could have gotten away in one of the trucks if he really wanted to capture them, which was their goal. Well, I mean, there's only so many killers, right? And there was way more of them yeah. than there was killers. So he maybe he just needed one or two of them. That's taking quite a risk, though, because they all could have gotten the truck out of Serpentine Belt, came back all at once, fixed the car and left. Obviously, they didn't decide to do that because the movie would have ended, but... This is the game they play. It's just the risk they yeah, take. These killers are masters at game theory. <laughs> and they, they stay there and they ran the analysis. They're like, oh yeah, they'll split <laughs> They do a very quick personality chart assessment. <laughs> they determine what type of personality all the people are there and who will stay and who will leave. Yeah. We get this amazing scene where Paris Hilton and Alicia Cuthbert are in the woods, and Alicia Mr. Cuthbert has just taken a mighty dump. <laughs> no, she did not. She urinated. Assumption. Okay. All right. All right. Let's 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 uh let's examine the, the evidence, shall we? Paris Hilton has her arms crossed and she's looking down at her and scowling. <laughs> Alicia Cuthbert is. She wasn't scowling. That's what her face always looks like. Yeah. So Alicia Cuthbert is squatting on the ground. She goes and then lifts up her pants and puts them back on. And then three seconds later, Paris Hilton goes. Oh, what's that stench? Are you insinuating that she squeezed a log out right after right. she pulled her pants up? <laughs> she shit her she pants. Like, like she didn't, she didn't even wipe? That's insane. She urinated. You're an idiot. You are, you are ridiculous. A stiff breeze did hit them. Because there was dead deer at the bottom of the hill. And then Parasite goes, oh, what's that stench? She, first of all, she was not scowling. Second of all, Alicia Cuthbert did not, like, groan and squeeze as she was squatting. And then how else is she going to urinate? It's, it's, it's not like she could have unzipped her fly and, like, just peed on a tree like a man. That would have been a real plot twist <laughs> to this movie. I have a wax penis. House of Wax. The end. Credits, credits roll. <laughs> 
So two girls are in the woods. They smell something that smells like worse than death itself. And they're like, you know what? Let's go check it out. Let's go through this rotting stench and see what it is. And they go running through the woods. And then Alicia Cuthbert does a pratfall face first into a pool of like rotting carcasses of like every conceivable animal on earth. He falls face first in the most disgusting, putrid pile of just like De- decaying matter. Disease. Decaying disease. She caught like a hundred diseases at least, right? Well, yeah, when, when everybody came up to find her, they were like, oh God, don't touch her. Nobody touch her. Yeah, so they pull her out of this, this putrid goo pile and uh, our first hillbilly shows up. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, his prosthetic teeth are amazing. You know, this guy did a pretty good job. I liked him. I, I liked how they played this off where they kind of played it up like he was a threat to them. Yeah. yeah. yeah so the whole time, Jared Padalecki and Alicia Cuthbert, they're treating this guy really rudely. Like, like garbage. Yeah. Like like he was less than dirt. Yeah. Right. He, in, in their defense, he pulled out a enormous Boeing knife and stabbed it into the de- into the dashboard of his pickup truck, which was a little strange. They treated yeah. that pile of liquefied animals <laughs> with more respect than they did this guy who came and helped them out. They drive down this road with a hillbilly because they asked to get a replacement for their serpentine belt or what do they call it? Their fan belt. Yeah, their, fan belt. their fan belt. Whatever. It's the same thing. It's their accessory belt. They dumped it down for people like me and Joel. Yeah. yeah whatever. So what's a car? He drives them down the road to the nearest town, which is about 15 miles away, which is, you know, very nice of him. Very gentlemanly. Apparently, for whatever reason, there's a river running through the road. That's a little weird. And he says, oops, I forgot, which is also a very weird thing to forget. They say, you know what? We'll walk the rest of the way. Screw you. He takes his knife out of the dashboard. It's insinuated that he's just going to come over and stab them. Obviously, we know that's not going to happen or the movie's going to end. He has it put away. They get out. They walk across the stream, and it turns out that the town is literally right across the stream, and they feel like a bunch of dicks. These two main characters, they're a couple of jerks. Like, they're just barging in everywhere. Like, yeah. there's a they, they burst into the church while there's a funeral going on. Then they barge into the house of wax. And it says closed. Yeah, it's closed. Then they bust into, like, the garage, and they're, like, going to steal things from it. Mm-hmm. Like, screw these guys. Like, who cares if they live or die, right? What's they're really interesting, rude jerks. What's, what's really interesting is... At at this point in the movie, they believe everybody in the town is like mourning somebody who just died that they're <laughs> very close to. So the first thing they do is barge into one of the establishments in the town that says closed? What a bunch of assholes. Yeah, let's rob them blind. <laughs> then they go in and they start exploring the House of Wax and everything is made by this guy Vincent and he's quite the artist. What are your guys' thoughts on wax figures, Madame Tussauds, all that stuff? What do you think? I, I don't really care much for it. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's just wax. It's kind of silly. Yeah, I have no interest in it whatsoever. Especially since it costs like 40, 50 bucks just to see a waxy Nicolas Cage, you know? (laughs) Yeah, you can see that for $1 out of the red box. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And it also, for me, it begged the question, like, this this town was really small and then there was this giant wax museum in the middle of this town. It was so out of place. Yep. It's almost as if the town was built around the House of Wax. They go inside the House of Wax. Jared and Alicia, they're just raising hell in there. Like, say what you will about whether you care about wax figures or not, but this house of wax is essentially a museum. Somebody built these wax figures, and this jerk 
Sherikov comes in and he just starts like slapping things and touching everything and like lighting it on fire. That just pisses me off. It. I mean, like, <laughs> look, as an artist, exactly. Yeah, that's I exactly. mean, somebody put a lot of effort and emotion into that, and at the very least, it took them forty hours. That's a whole work week. Especially since we come to find out later that he's desecrating corpses by like <laughs> lighting them on fire, poking them, and stuff. Yeah, farting on them. Yeah, but, but we'll get to that later. We come to find out that it is a literal house of wax. Everything is made out of wax. The walls, the stairs, the furniture, everything. How much money do you think that must have cost to, to build an entire structure? Just structurally, I don't feel like that sound. Wax is heavy, and I don't think it's very, like, strong or sturdy. Hey, who thought that was a good idea? Like, let's build this. <laughs> the killer, he says that he's the, the owner of the auto body shop, and he has the part that they need for their car, but it's up in his house. So he invites them all up there to go, and when they're in there, Jared Padalecki, he just can't control himself. He has to keep being a jerk off and he, he just runs off into another room and starts poking around. Like he's snooping, right? Like he's, yeah, he's picking he, stuff up. He's opening room. drawers. Yeah. He's rifling through like he's his, a horrible house guest. His files and he's any other type with of personal fetuses. <laughs> yeah. Any any type of personal effects that this person has in their in their house is not safe from this person. He's <laughs> he's going to he's going through his underwear drawer. He's smelling them. He makes his way into what looks like an examination room for you know for a surgeon it's at that point that everything goes wrong yeah this is our, our first kill of the movie and by the way we're 53 minutes in at this point and this has been like a reoccurring theme in all of these movies we make our way about halfway through before we have our first kill before anything happens that seems to be the recurring thing like we always check the time the first transformer appears the first zombie appears it's like always in the dead center of the movie the kill itself starts out with something that I really enjoy just slicing the Achilles tendon and uh, I guess not not really mortally wounding him but definitely incapacitating him. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. I mean, he pulled out this giant pair of scissors and just... <laughs> they were like hedge clippers. Yeah, I mean, they snipped the guy's Achilles. I mean, I, I, that's the way to immobilize someone immediately right there. Kevin, you compared it to a police officer shooting out a, a car's tires. Yeah, well, that's my biggest pet peeve on movies and TV shows. When someone's, you know, like a criminal or someone's about to get away, um, that the cop doesn't just shoot the tires out to stop the car. It very rarely happens. In this circumstance, I kind of alluded to that because, you know, this you didn't just stab the guy in the shoulder so he can run away. I mean, when you snip someone's Achilles, they're not going anywhere. No, they're not. We then cut to... Alicia Cuthberg, who is outside and she is waiting for her beau to come out. He does not, but the snake oil salesman does. And he says uh, that he's still in the bathroom and he's on his way out. She doesn't believe him because she has recognized the truck from earlier in the movie, the one that her brother threw the beer bottle at. She gets inside, locks the door, calls their friend on the cell phone that she has, and then somehow gets the car started in some bizarre manner where she's essentially lying up upside down and backwards, blinded, vertical. <laughs> I mean, like, her getting this car started and then driving it is miraculous. This is really conflicting for me because a lot of times in movies like this, the people act so stupid and, and kind of trusting of people. And in this movie, they were so untrusting. It was almost weird. I mean, there was no real reason for her to assume that this guy was going to try and kill her at this point. But she really overreacted, I thought, and locked all the doors. And it was really conflicting because sometimes, you, most of the time, you think that the people underreact. And this 
this time I actually thought she was overreacting. Next, we get what I think is phenomenal set design and one of my favorite scenes in this movie. They take the first victim, the killer. Jared. Yeah, they, they take Jared and the brother, I guess Vincent, who is essentially wearing a wax Michael Myers mask, drags him down this dark tunnel-like cave corridor to a room that's full of uh, tools that he's going to use to cover him with wax. And then he puts him in the equivalent of like a car wash that would shoot like, you know, the wax suds on a car, but it's just shooting liquid wax on him and coating his entire body. It's really cool looking. It looked like something out of Saw, because he had that kind of Saw headgear. Right, right. Like drilling into his head and stuff, keeping him into place. Yeah, you're right. The set design here was really cool. This was the turning point, I think, for us when we were like, wow, this is not bad. This is pretty cool, actually. Yeah, it was. It was Yeah, it was. Yeah, so Alicia Cuthbert, she escapes and she runs to the back to the church thinking that she'll get help from the people that are in the church. But But she is wrong. The ultimate plot twist, it turns out that every single person in the church is made of wax. Oh, man. Bum, bum, bum. I actually kind of like this sequence where the killer comes looking for her and she hides herself amongst the wax figures. Yeah, Joel, where where was she hiding? She hid herself beneath the priest's frock, right beneath his crotch. This was at the height of the Catholic Church's darkest hour. So this... Yeah, this this is a scathing indictment of, of the Roman of the, of the Roman Catholic Church. Church. Yeah, the House of Wax. This was on the Pope's blacklist, I believe. You could not watch if you're Catholic. You couldn't watch this movie. Yeah, they, this movie's in that tomb with all the uh, forbidden texts. <laughs> Alicia Cuthbert, she gets away, she runs off, and eventually the killer catches her, and he does something pretty cool. Like, he drags her to his underground torture dungeon beneath the Beneath garage. the gas station, yeah. Yeah, and he pours crazy glue on her lips and forces her lips shut. Mm-hmm. This is pretty good. Yeah. It was cool the way he did it. He put it on there, and then he got real close as if he was going to kiss her. Very sensual. And then he blew on the glue yeah. to make it hard and faster. I, something in this room got hard and <laughs> real fast. Something got Waxy. Wait, what? What? Finally, Chad Michael Murray and his drunken buddy, they reappear in the town and they split up for some reason. The buddy goes off into the house of wax mm-hmm. and he finds uh, Jared Padalecki at the piano, and he's become the latest member to the House of Wax Wax. Club. Yeah, he's he's, frozen. He's he's frozen as a concert pianist. (laughs) Played chopsticks forever. (laughs) Yeah, no, but I I like this a lot. Like, this is a real cruel fate. Like, they show him frozen at the piano, but his eyes, like, he's still alive, and Mm -hmm. and his eyes are just darting left and right. I can only imagine that he is in tremendous amount of pain. Oh, yeah. Right? It kind of reminds me of those people who wake up while they're in the middle of surgery, Mm -hmm. right? and they feel everything everything but they can't do anything about it yeah like that's like one of my greatest fears and, that, and that's what this guy is going through right now well especially when his friend starts pawing at his face yeah he's, he's like hey what's wrong with you bro <laughs> and he pokes him in the cheek and he like breaks right through his epidermis right into his cheek mm-hmm. and yeah it exposes his epididymis no it doesn't expose that but <laughs> it, it, it exposes I guess the muscle tissue on his cheek it, it like literally awesome. rips this is really good it was really cool looking what was really ridiculous 
about the scene. He's like, oh, sorry, dude. Sorry, bro. And he just keeps, <laughs> he keeps pulling at his face. And he's <laughs> ripping pieces of flesh off his body. Oh, oops, sorry, bro. Thanks. <laughs> and he just, and he just, he just keeps he just going. Stop. He just keeps pulling. <laughs> like, like, if he keeps pulling, like, somehow the flesh is going to go back on. I don't know. I, I, I didn't understand I, this. Like, after the first time your finger penetrates your buddy's skull, like, you think he would stop, right? It shows, yeah. it shows a tear coming down his face as he rips like he's the flesh in agony. off. He's in agony. Like Jared is in absolute agony, and he can't even scream. I, I like that. That's a great fate yeah. for what this was really, jerk-off character. The, the really cool effect here, though, was behind him was Vincent about to stab the character, but he dodges and I guess hits Jared's face and kind of cuts half of it off. This is a great effect. I thought this looked really good. But, half his face getting cleaved off, and you see like his teeth and his muscles. But he's still stuck. He can't do anything. Yeah, and he yeah. felt all of it. Definitely. And, and I was like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Joel, yeah, yeah. Joel was laughing. He was, he was mising. He was making miser hands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so the drunken buddy, he gets caught. The other killer, Vincent, pins him down to the ground and chops his head off. He does this cool move where he takes two knives. He chops this guy's head off and the knives are right there in front of the camera and this guy's knives, they looked great. I don't think he bought these on QVC. I think he <laughs> made these himself. They had like a bone, they ivory, made out of ivory, like dragon, Carved dragon. Like, oh man, it was some really great relief sculpture on the, on, on, on the handle. Once the again, during this whole sequence, we were like, wow, like that's really good. That's a really cool prop. Mm-hmm. This villain looks cool. These sets look cool. I heard this guy was a first time director. I don't know if that's true or not, but I heard that he was a first time director on this. If that's so, he did a really good job with this movie. Like this movie yep. is well directed. At this scene, I paused and I turned to you and I said, Joel, this set design is great. Once again, compared to something like Paul W.S. Anderson with Resident Evil, mm-hmm. a guy who had many movies under his belt by the time he did Resident Evil, that movie was terrible. Flat angles, everything was generic. We didn't know what was going on. Where the hell were they or anything? This movie was clear cut and concise, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. This is a decently well-made movie. It was. It was. It, th- this movie was competently shot. It was competently directed. All right, so we cut back to Chad Michael Murray hanging out with the other killer. And this is a great sequence because it's like while he's talking to the killer, Alicia Cuthbert is directly beneath him. And there's a grate that <clears throat> allows her to see her brother. And she can't scream because her mouth is sealed shut. So she, she takes a little finger and pokes it through the grate to get his attention. <laughs> she's wiggling her, her little pointer finger out there trying to get his attention. And he pretends that he's going down to tie his shoe, at which point he has, I guess, a bolt cutter on him and he clips her finger off and it this is gruesome. shoots blood out. It's very Saw-esque. It was pretty sweet. I mean, it, it didn't look totally real to me. It was sweet. What do you have? Bloodlust? Sick fascination <laughs> with, with the, the macabre. macabre. Chops the tip of her finger off and it looks like the inside of her finger is just a pool of blood. It did. It did right? look like that. Yeah, like no bone. no flesh or bone inside. She's just a sack of blood. <laughs> <laughs> there, they, there's no gravity in this world. They're just like... <laughs> She has has no bones. (laughs) This next part of the scene, I guess the pain hardened her soul because she was able to grasp her mouth. And I thought this looked really cool. She ripped her lips apart. Yeah, to get the the crazy glue out of there. To to get the crazy glue off her lips. Again, pretty She was able to scream. Chad Michael Murray, he is not terrified at all by this person. This person comes at him and Chad Michael Murray just starts beating the shit out of him. Yeah, he was pretty awesome. I mean, he was the character you'd never expect to see in a movie like this. I mean, he's resourceful. He's strong. Athletic. 
he had his he, head on straight. Yeah. All right, so then the movie cuts to Paris Hilton, and we get what we paid for, right? This is what I don't get. Like, they're in the woods in the middle of nowhere, and then Paris Hilton runs off, and then she all of a sudden appears inside of a building. Where that, What happened there? Like, I think I'm going to blink, and I miss when she found a building. No, I didn't see it either. It was jarring for me as well. This is very Resident Evil-like. Yeah. Was, yeah. That's no good. Like, she just teleports into a building. You know what, though? This movie has been riding high for me so far. They'll let it go? I'm going to let it slide. Yeah, so uh, long story short, the killer takes this pipe that's kind of has a sharp edge to it. That she originally was going to use for Against the him. Yeah. Yeah, very ironically. He takes it and just th- lobs it like a javelin through her skull. He should have been in the Olympics because this was a great shot. <laughs> it was perfect. And it just went boom, hit her, went right through her brain. It looked like she impaled herself on it. It was pretty cool. Having Paris Hilton die was probably more gratifying back in 2005, back when we all had Hilton fever, I guess. And what, she was who, on TV who, what, what does that mean, Hilton fever? It sounds like a disease. Exactly. You know, <laughs> people, when she was at the height of her power and she has no, she has no power. And she was on the cover of every single tabloid. That, that, that is true. And everybody was hating her. Like people probably, that, that was probably like a real release. I bet you people stood up and cheered in theaters everywhere. But watching it now, so many years later, very far removed from this, the Paris Hilton phenomenon. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty apathetic towards her now. I didn't feel as if it was that big of a cathartic release because she was barely in this movie. She's probably in this movie for five minutes. I thought it was uncharacteristic of the killer because he's making, he's taking his victims and making wax sculptures out of them, right? Yes. I mean, he's taking pains to not damage them and the damage that he does do, he repairs. Yeah, I mean, but can he repair that? I mean, you put a hole right through her head. I'm sure you, yeah, I was going to say, you could just spackle over that. I don't know. I was surprised by that. I thought that he was an artist. He'd want to keep her looking pretty perfect if he could. I almost feel like they did that. He was angry that. For the audience. Yeah, that's fan service. They did that. And less as far as what the character itself would have done. So let's just fast forward to the end here. The two brothers that are the killers, we come to find out that they were initially Siamese twins. They were separated at birth at their head. I guess at the eye. They were both separated. It was like their eye and it it was almost like the cheek of one of the brothers' faces was attached to, you know, I guess the mouth. And I assume their father was the surgeon who cut them up because they said that the dad was doing illegal back alley surgeries or whatever. So he did a really poor job separating the one twin because he's all messed up. And that's why he's such a crazy feral murderer or whatever. That's their backstory. Cut to the end of the movie and there's a big showdown at the House of Wax where everyone's running around. I mean, they had they severely injured the normal brother. Yeah, They shot him with arrows. Chad, Chad, Chad Michael Murray essentially hunted him down inside of a movie theater, tricked him, shot him in the arm, essentially hitting his brachial artery, it looked like to me. And then after he shot him there, kind of like just camped outside the movie theater waiting for him to come back out and shot him in the chest. Sure. So they go to the House of Wax and they have their final showdown where eventually the one brother dies and Vincent, the mutated other sibling, he's running around chasing after them. Uh, A fire is set off. So perhaps it wasn't such a great idea to build this entire house of wax because everything just starts to melt like mm-hmm. a candle every like the stairs the walls everything while well, they're having their final run around through the house and the, the house of wax turns into a house of diarrhea because they're <laughs> they're flopping around in this yellow mush mm-hmm. all over the place and then eventually we the the movie ends with this very poetic scene where the one dead brother starts getting absorbed into the wax and then the other the deformed brother he falls through the second story floor and lands 
hands on top of his brother and they kind of get absorbed into the wax and they kind of get reconjoined. Like, in like uh, almost the exact same position. That very poetic. The end, House of Wax. So let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie. A horror movie can get away with a lot, but once it crosses a certain line, it is insulting to viewers. House of Wax crosses that line. James Berardinelli, Real Views. You'll be rooting for these people to get slaughtered out of sheer boredom. Deson Thomas, Washington Post. And finally, the original was shot in 3D. This, by contrast, is 1D all the way. Rick Groen, Globe and Mail. Okay, guys, this movie currently holds a 25% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it really that bad? I don't know if watching Resident Evil has played like an enormous role on warping my mind and opinion of this movie, but I don't think it was bad at all. I I thought it was entertaining. I didn't by any means think that it was prolific or artistic <laughs> by any means, but the it next was... Next Citizen Kane. Yeah, no, it was it was not that, but it, it, it wasn't terrible. It served its purpose. It was exactly what it was supposed to be, and uh, I, actually, I actually got a little more than I expected acting-wise, set design-wise, and directing-wise. I think that this movie is a solid three out of five. Yeah, I'm going to echo everything that Martin just said and also say that I never watch horror movies or any kind of scary movies. They're just not my thing. The last one I saw was The Ring back in like 2003 maybe, but this movie really surprised me. I definitely would give this a 3 out of 5. I agree with you guys. I definitely feel like this movie benefited from us seeing Resident Evil last week. Like this movie is better than that in every shape and form. Like everything about this movie, I liked the way it looked. I liked the set design. I I, I actually liked the killers and what they were doing. I kind of liked this premise of them turning them into turning their victims into works of art. I can relate to that. You know? Yeah, Joel does that you know, all the time. Joel does that constantly. He turns his victims into <laughs> works, works of, of art. art. <laughs> yeah, three out of five. I think that's pretty fair. I was expecting this movie to be atrocious. Here's some food for thought. This is a 25. Didn't Resident Evil have like a 38? Yeah, it did. That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. <laughs> I, I I would actually put this movie in comparison to other movies that are out of, of, of a similar caliber to this on Rotten Tomatoes probably like in the high 50s. Yeah, okay. Okay, that seems fair. I, I'm going to say I like this director, Joe May Colette Sarah. He went on to do Orphan. Orphan was good. Which is another horror movie that was hated by everybody, but I enjoyed it. So I actually kind of want to do it for the show. But right, right. Maybe some other time we'll, we'll work on it. Okay, so three out of fives all around. Not bad. So do you think part of that at the time, which is the reviewers saw Paris Hilton in this movie and were like this- Backlash. Yeah. Yeah, this is, we'll yeah, this yeah, a bad yeah, review. yeah. They gambled on putting Paris Hilton into this movie to make money mm -hmm. and it worked because- it cost 40 mil to make. They made 70 mil. So putting Paris Hilton in it was a good move. Right. But but it killed them with the critics and the audiences too because yeah. the, everybody didn't hate it. So do you think if she wasn't in it, this would have gotten better scores? I bet you it would have. Yeah, but it wouldn't have gotten people in the seats. Yeah, it probably would just been forgotten. And what is a movie? And we wouldn't even be reviewing it now. Right. I, I guess mean, that might be a marketing issue though, right? Because I remember that Paris Hilton was in this movie, but I didn't remember that Alicia Cuthbert or Chad Michael Murray were. And they were decent stars at that point. They weren't no names by any stretch of the imagination. No, no. Not, not at all. That's a really good point. The only thing I knew about this movie going into it was that Paris Hilton was in it and she got spiked in the head. Those were the two things that I knew about it, but I definitely knew Paris Hilton was in it. Okay, guys, we got a couple voicemails. I'll play those for you right now. To listen to your messages, press one. Hey, guys, it's Bethany from Mount Vernon, Washington. You are reviewing House of Wax this week, which I am so excited about. I was so hoping that would be the one you would pick. I wanted to tell you, when I first saw House of Wax, my friends and I have a sort of a thing where we christen a house with, what a, with a new movie. When we first move in, we pick a movie that would be cool to watch. And we decided on House of Wax because of how much we wanted to watch Paris Hilton die. 
And also we had Chad Michael Murray, who was very hot, so that didn't hurt. But really, it was about watching Barris Felton die. So we watched it, and it was everything that we could have hoped it would be. I mean, this is a god-awful movie. There's little to recommend about it, but we laughed our asses off, and we rewound Paris Hilton dying, I believe, 12 times, and I think it got funnier every single time. So I hope you guys enjoy it, because I know we did. Thanks so much for the show. You guys do a great job. Hi, Joel, Martin, and Kevin. This is Leo from Connecticut. The House of Wax remake sucks. It barely has anything to do with the original of Vincent Price, and they changed something from the past to the present with college students on the run. I agree with all the critics and audiences that Paris Hillen's death scene was the best part, but the rest is really not good. And I thought that Alicia Cuthbert and Chad Michael Murray were wasted in there. All the rest didn't have anything to do. So I hope you guys rip this one apart in case if you guys love this original one. So that's my opinion on the how the wax remakes so get rid of this piece of crap bye i feel weird saying hi to a machine hi i'm brandon and i'm from maryland house of wax is a movie where at the beginning i thought it was going to be better than it was and it was a slow realization that it was not every second of that film was more and more not okay i think i fell asleep in it and then i had to rewind it because my friend wanted me to finish it yeah i actually had to go back to like back on that movie it was deeply disappointing and it wasn't like I had high expectations. I Like, they started low, went up a little bit, and then they went back down, and then lower and lower, and then I fell asleep, and then we had to rewind it and watch it and finish it, because if he had to watch all of it, I had to watch all of it. Thanks. Bye. Hey, guys. It's JV from Bristol. You know, the one in PA. Yes, I did see The House of Wax. I couldn't tell you a goddamn thing about it, except I think someone told me Paris Hilton's fingers got cut off. And wow, if I remembered seeing that, I'm pretty sure the movie would have been enjoyable. Come see my podcast at jvmail.com. All right, enough of the plugging. One day I'll get you to play that. I'm getting really, you don't have to. Although, Joel, if you would like to submit a mini 20 to 30 to 40 second advert for my podcast, feel free. It'll be awesome. I'll play it either at the beginning and or middle of the show. Hello, gentlemen. It is Joel from the Ain't Nobody Heard of Us .com podcast calling about your latest episode where you reviewed Resident Evil. For the most part, I liked it, but I do have a couple of complaints. First off, you guys went on length about the hive. Yes, I understand. It is impossible for us to have a city-sized building underground and no one notices. But one fact you're missing, it's a zombie film. So at this point, logic and reason have taken a vacation to parts unknown. And secondly, the guy who complained about Mila Jovovich being naked, um, at no point should you ever complain that Mila Jovovich is naked. At this, Whenever Mila Jovovich wants to get naked, you should shut your mouth, think whatever god you believe in, and when she's done being naked, you press the rewind button and repeat as many times as humanly possible. Other than that, love the show. You guys are doing great. Keep up the good work, and I will catch you guys later. Now, how do I turn this off? God, I hate this new phone. End of new messages. Thanks for those voicemails, guys. Thanks, guys. Okay, let's read some listener mail. So Zion writes in, I normally don't like to do this, but he's chiming in with an answer to last week's question of the week. But what he writes in is pretty interesting. So I want to get your opinion on this. So the question was, what's your most awkward movie experience like when your parents are in the room with you, you know? I know I'm late to this, but I got to chime in. My most awkward movie watching experience was seeing a little black and white horror movie my mother starred in back in the 60s called The Sadist. It's actually 
actually a pretty cool movie for its time. I saw it for the first time at age 12 with all my other siblings at my grandparents' house. Our enjoyment quickly turned awkward when my mother on screen was nearly raped and forced into sex by the antagonist of the movie. Even though nothing graphic actually happens, the allusion to it turned my stomach into knots and my hands into fists of hot anger. Needless to say, my mother was forever embarrassed about doing the movie and had not given the approval for our watching that day. Perhaps she was right and I wasn't ready for it. How would you two react if you watched a movie where your mom was getting raped on screen? How would you feel about that? Probably the exact same way he did. I would be traumatized, horrified, and enraged. Mommy? Yeah, because I mean, <laughs> look, at 12 years old, you aren't a little kid, but you are by no means ready for something of that magnitude. No way. Not not even close. Fists of hot angers. <laughs> A really good description. They burst to flames. <laughs> okay, Dane writes in, and he wants to follow up on last week's Clockwork Orange story that Martin was so fond of. <laughs> hey guys, love the podcast and was very excited to hear my story read on the show. It made me laugh really hard. Hearing that embarrassing story said back to me, re-embarrassed me in a way... <laughs> <laughs> so I was re-embarrassed. <laughs> so I wanted to send a follow-up email to put things into context. This way, I hopefully won't come off as such a psychopath who has his girlfriend watch movies about rape. At the time, I was a senior in high school and diving deep into the indie art snooty types of films, so I was a huge snob when it came to watching movies. So he was getting into Kubrick. When I looked at A Clockwork Orange at the time, I looked at it from the art film snob perspective and didn't see it from the perspective of the average viewer. But I still knew how much it would suck to watch it with any parent at the time. So asking my girlfriend at the time to watch it was me thinking, this is such a good movie. Whereas if I was in the same situation, even a year or two later, I would never have thought of suggesting it. I long since improved and would slap a warning on movies half as intense as A Clockwork Orange to my wife. Okay, Michael writes in and says, damn you guys. Hey, Time Crimes is an awesome movie. No, it's not. It's just a few very minor flaws, but otherwise a great flick. <laughs> I like the caveat. There's just a few minor flaws. <laughs> love the show. One of my favorites. I would love a more thorough explanation of why this movie is no good. Go this, ahead, Martin. This is me. I'm in spotlight now. The movie isn't good because the direction is poor. The movie isn't good because the set design, the props are poor. The movie isn't good because the story is convoluted, impossible. The story is annoying and repetitive, and I don't find it that engaging as a viewer. Those are my reasons for disliking time crimes. If I had more time to prepare a formal statement, it would be more in-depth, but this is just shooting off the hip. Okay, well, there you go. Thanks for those emails, guys. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at yeahitsthatbad at gmail.com. Okay, now it's time for the question of the week, and the question of the week was, what was your worst movie theater experience? Okay, Jamie writes in and says, my worst movie-going experience was when I watched The Born Identity. We were 40 minutes in, and as Matt Damon ran through a busy street, the next shot is Matt Damon running through a snowy field. It turns out that the movie operator put in the wrong reel and skipped a quarter of the film. 
<laughs> so instead, I watched the people around me try to figure out what the hell was going on. Okay, I guess maybe that was my favorite movie-going experience. James writes in and says, I have to proceed this one by saying it was partially my fault. My mom wanted to bring me and my brother to a movie. She picked Riding in Cars with Boys. As a 12-year-old boy, this movie bored me to tears. So I wanted to spice up the experience and piss off our very French theater owner. So I whipped out my laser pointer and flashed it on the screen for a mere second. Just as I predicted, the theater owner threw the lights on came out and berated the entire audience <laughs> in an attempt to find out in an attempt to find the dreaded laser pointer after a minute she returned to the projector room a half an hour later I showed the beam on the screen once more this time taunting her drawing figure eight shapes <laughs> in response she stopped the film came to the front and waited several minutes for someone to fess up <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was silent. The best part of this was that my mom had no idea who had the pointer. <laughs> so she couldn't have gotten me into trouble. After the film, I told her it was me, and all she did was laugh uncontrollably. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back, it was a dick move and really not a bad movie experience. <laughs> well, for me and my mom, it wasn't. I was a little asshole back then, huh? That was all the rage back in the 90s, the laser pointers to the screen, right? Yeah, everyone had those for like a year. Right? I, mean, yeah. I haven't seen one recently and I kind of miss them. <laughs> you want that back? Yeah, yeah. I want, especially the ones that have like the caps on them with the smiley faces. I had that. I yeah, had you had that one? Yeah. <laughs> I'll take that over everyone pulling out their cell phone every yeah, five minutes, here. which is what you get same now. Here. I'll tell you this much they, they weren't as much of an epidemic as cell phones were. There wasn't like a, a caveat at the beginning of every film where it's like, <laughs> please turn your laser pointers off. Hopefully in the future, I want to be in a movie theater where like some actor's face is on the screen and then a thousand laser pointers. Like, <laughs> Go on though, like every single person in the theater has a laser. But we all have two. <laughs> Chris writes in and says, I'm going to have to tone this down a little bit, some harsh language in it. He says, well, I have two. The first one was when my dad took my cousin and me to see RoboCop 2. The theater we went to wasn't the best part of town. It was a really old, really small theater, the kind that only has two screens. So we get there and we see RoboCop 2, the portion of the movie where RoboCop is being disassembled by Kane and Hobbs' gang. These really nasty punk-looking guys near the front of the theater started shouting and throwing things at the screen. These were the type of punks that you see in movies or you see at the most disgusting punk rock shows. One had a shaved head, the other had a huge yellow mohawk. Anyway, these dudes started throwing popcorn at the screen shouting, get up you pussy! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't, let those, don't, <laughs> don't let those guys screw with you. Fight back, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> they were stomping their feet and shouting, cursing, you name it. They <laughs> well, they were like yelling, they were like imploring RoboCop to fight back. Yeah, and throwing things at him. <laughs> My dad went and told the ushers, and when they finally came to remove these two guys, it took four ushers to get them out of the theater. When they came past us on their way to the theater, they smelled like pure hell. These guys must have seriously not believed in Baz. This was in 1990 or so, so I was only 10 at the time. Paul writes in and says, when I was living in Pasadena, there was an old theater down the road from me where you could see recent movies that were out of the theater but not yet on DVD. I went with some friends from school to see Where the Wild Things 
bizarre. Throughout the whole movie, there was a drunk old black lady sitting in front of us in a near empty theater, shouting, cackling, and burping. Yes, burping. At one point in a quiet, tender moment between the kid and these these creatures... She let out a ridiculous belch, and then a moment later turned, smiled, toothless smile, and shouted, excuse me. Also, when she went to go to the bathroom, instead of exiting this tiny dump of a theater, she walked upstairs to the projection booth, flung the door open, and said, what, huh? Which was awkward for the few of us in the theater. (laughs) Security had spoken to her at least twice and done nothing. But that's what you get when you try to see a $2 movie. <laughs> also, the screen in this theater was not parallel to the seats. That was really strange and bugged me the entire movie. That would have bugged me too. What, what, what the hell is that? This what was it perpendicular? Like, like this. <laughs> yeah, it was at a right angle. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Paper writes in and says, I went to go see Jurassic Park the first day it came out in our very small town theater. Only one movie would be shown once on Friday and Saturday night and Sunday afternoon. On Friday night, we got to where the T-Rex was breaking the fence when the film reel got burned. They told us that they would get another copy from the town over and gave us tickets for Saturday. On Saturday, some lady smuggled in a tub of rank ass smelling tuna salad. She was kicked out, but the smell was lingering so badly that the manager paused the movie and told everyone that if they wanted, they could get tickets for Sunday afternoon. The smell was so bad that most of the people got the tickets for Sunday. On Sunday afternoon, the theater was almost full and some old guy sat next to me. <laughs> the guy had a runny nose the whole movie. To make matters worse, he ripped out the wettest fart I ever heard. <laughs> and it smelled like shit the rest of the movie. <laughs> I was determined to watch the whole movie after the past two days, so I sat through it. I never saw a movie at that theater again. Now, that guy's cursed. Man, three in a row? Okay, as for this week's question of the week, once again, we asked our Facebook friends to come up with an interesting suggestion, and the winner of this week's is Jamie. And Jamie asks, what was the first movie you ever saw in the movie theaters? Mine was uh, The Land Before Time. And I also remember them giving a free VHS away with a Pizza Hut promotion. Oh, I remember that too. I know. Pizza Hut used to give away some cool stuff. Yeah, I with, getting... with every personal kid's pan pizza, you yeah. would get a sweet discount on a Land Before Time VHS. Hey, man, I was a member of the Book It Club. Did you get... Read It or whatever the hell it was? Yeah, yeah, no, Book It. But did you get the free personal pan pizza party at the end of the year? Yeah, and Kevin got his free copy of uh, X-Men. X-Men Episode 1. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you'd watch every and day. And I cherished it. He got his free copy of an X-Men Christmas. Where Leech gets sick. <laughs> Leech sick. <laughs> and he watched it over and over again. This podcast gets a one out of five. They will never stay on topic. The earliest film I remember seeing in the theaters was Masters of the Universe. I'm I'm pretty sure I would have been taken to something earlier than that, but I was probably too young to remember. The same here. I think I was taken to something before that. My first movie in the theater is the same as Kevin's. The, my earliest movie going memory is Masters of the Universe. That was the first movie I ever saw in the movie theater. So once again, what was the first movie you ever saw in the movie theater? Head on over to yesthatbad.com. Leave a comment on this episode's page with your answer. Okay, now it's time to announce the movies for the next listener's choice
Jeremy's poll. And the choices are Van Helsing starring Hugh Jackman versus Blade 3 starring Ryan Reynolds. Jessica Biel. Uh, More so Ryan Reynolds. And and Wesley Snipes. But but mostly Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. So once again, Van Helsing versus Blade 3. And as for next week's movie, we will be watching Underworld. Martin's all-time favorite movie of all time. Starring vampires. Yeah. So real vampires. Okay. To recap, head on over to yesthatbad.com where you can vote in the poll between Van Helsing or Blade 3. And tune in next week when we will be reviewing Underworld. And if you've already seen Underworld, give us a call at 973-797-9324. Give us a call, leave us a little mini review, and we'll play it on the show. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help out the show. Please help us spread the word of the show by heading over to Facebook and liking us. That will spread the show to all your Facebook friends. You can do that by clicking the like button. Facebook.com slash... Just for letting everyone know how to use Facebook. <laughs> Facebook.com slash yeah, it's that Facebook bad. has changed quite a bit in the past three weeks, Kevin, okay? So some people might be confused. <laughs> <laughs> You can also follow us on Twitter at Yeah It's Bad, and you can listen to the show on your non-iPhone devices via Stitcher. You can get that at www.stitcher.com. Once again, thanks for listening to the show. See you next time. to get the crazy glue off her lips. Again, pretty She gruesome. was able to scream. Oh, yeah. At that point, the killer knows that he's been outed. And the- <laughs> he's, been out- <laughs> he's out of the closet as a killer. He's like, oh no. How could you out me in front of my family instead of a killer? I didn't, I didn't mean it that <laughs> way. House of Wax killer. <laughs> he's been, ex- he's been exposed. <laughs> you had no right <laughs> to out me. <laughs> To those at home, Martin looks so frustrated. Like, we're like a couple of, like, five-year-old kids, like, jumping around and poking. He's so annoyed. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're the asshole. Look at his face! Look at his face! You mad, bro? Oh, my stomach. That's like a laugh enema.